Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I'm AJ Conrad, coming to you from Brooklyn. And on the other side of the coast is Stuart Tiffin, my intrepid co-host. How are you today? Hey, hi. Uh, doing well. How's, how's it going over there? Well, while you are in the scorching heat and fire country, over here in Brooklyn and New York, we've oh had a deluge of crazy rain, so much so that some of the subways were flooded yesterday. Yeah, I saw some of that footage. I also saw some condoms floating in the water photos, oh, which are obligatory. It's New York. that, And, you know, I will say, you know, because there's a lot of people just going, oh, my gosh, it's the end of the world. And you know what? Anytime you have these kind of like crazy flash storms here in New York, that tends to happen in something because like a drain won't work or whatever. And it's just not equipped to deal with that kind of level of water. But it does seem to be somewhat unfair that these crazy storms are happening here and then your side of the the world needs more water. So yeah, I don't know dude. what the answer is, but man, it just, it was a little bananas. We'll, we'll admit that it was definitely, we only caught. Um, so that was like in the morning. And then last night um, we caught the edge of a storm and just the edge of it. And it was insane. Like the whole street was kind of full um, and all the drains were full. So, um, but we, we, you know, didn't have quite the same, issue that other parts of, I guess, Manhattan did. So, um, but anyway, so that's what's going on here. Yeah, that, um, and that it is super of, gross. It is gross. And it's one of those things where, you know, I saw some of the footage of people and I don't know, I mean, I mean some of the footage of people like in the subways, like people were still trying to like get down and, uh, you know, definitely no trains are going to be running when it's like that. But I, I'm kind of, you know, if I saw that level of water happening in a subway, there's no way I would be going down into it. You know what I mean? Um, because it's gross. You don't know what's <laughs> also, in that water. Well, also there's like, I don't know. I, I saw a couple of, the, you know, cause like the rats tend to try to escape and things like that. There's also that issue. Mm -hmm. Like, and then the, my biggest you know, aside from the grossness of it, I feel like if it's that level of water, like kind of taking over, you could easily get swept onto the tracks and, and those are electrified. So that's, you know, probably not a good idea to be if roaming they're around. underwater. They must shut the power off, I assume. Uh, one would hope, but this happened very, very quickly. So uh, I would imagine there's got to be some fail safe. But of course, my mind is just like, you know, the idea of being swept down into a tunnel by the, some dirty river of subway <laughs> water is rat filled is condom water. Rat filled. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it is like a horror film. So there you go in real life. Um, but in any case, that's what's going on here. Um, but all seems to be normal now. And uh, yeah, so so there you go. Um, and like you said, we're we're having a heat wave just this this weekend, um, hopefully. And uh, it's going to get to 103 is the current uh, wow. expectation for today. Crazy. Uh, I think in, in Cloverdale, just like 15 miles away from me, it's going to be 115, I think. So, wow. I mean, I saw that Death Valley, they thought it was going to be a new record and it's kind of insane. Um, so it's definitely concerning. And, you know, I don't know how long people can be in denial about it, but we're clearly in a in a bad way um, in terms of the climate, the climate changing and the weather changing. So I guess we'll, you know, have to hope that people will figure it out or something. I don't even know what the we answer is. We have to like turn back the doomsday clock. I think that's, I that's one of the hardest things to do. And uh, yeah, so I don't have huge hope. Just uh, you know, 
teaching well, my son he... zombie survival. I'm making him watch Black Summer to figure out how things or how things are. You are go. not letting him I'm, watch it, are you? No, that would be really, really damaging to a child. I, <laughs> I would imagine it is a pretty. I, well, we'll get to that anyway. So, yeah. as as you may have surmised, we are talking about season two of Black Summer, the first couple of episodes. Um, and I will admit it it was very tempting. To, to keep going, oh, but I God, didn't yeah. because of my tendency, as everybody knows, that I forget what is what in terms of episodes and I get I get it all mixed up. So in any case, I limited myself to the first two, though it was very difficult to do that because it is a great show. So teaser on how I feel about it. Um, but before we get to that, we have a few little news tidbits. Um, one, I think, is we've talked about this before, about the same research Um but they did uh, the Verge did a pretty big article um, just recently. Did this come out last week, Stuart? This was Wired, yeah, last week. This oh, sorry, Wired, not the Verge. Um, and basically, it is research, um, and this has been the basis of. I mean, it was the basis of a few different, um, like it's been the basis of a few storylines and horror movies and things like that. Um, I think it definitely taps into. Um, um, sort of our, some of our fears, um, and, and just ideas about, uh, the soul and humanity and all of that stuff. Mike, the, no. the sort of premise of this article is, um, this woman is right. She wrote, a um, a book about it. Uh, Brandy Schill is called Mr. Humble and Dr. Butcher. Um, and this is basically, um, the research, like she came across all this, um, sort of a vintage group of notebooks and research about um, this uh, scientist who basically, he was a neurosurgeon um, in the 60s and 70s and basically did all this. Um, and, and, you know, the premise of his research has actually gone into some very good places. So some of the, some of the things that the methods that we use in the research um, that led to um, like heart attack patients, uh, like brain cooling uh, procedures and things to preserve um, um, like basically functioning humans. If somebody's had a heart attack um, were based upon his research, but some of the other research that he did was so like, I want to say distasteful. Um, is that uh, like, or people found it to be very like, it's, it's, and it's hard to read about because it is, I mean, it's squeamish. He did not, he very much viewed animals just as test subjects. He uh, did most of his research on monkeys and mice and things like that. But the monkeys is what really set people off. And sorry, his name was Robert White. So Robert, let's yeah. put that in there. Um, I feel like the lead here is that he was taking the brains out of monkeys and putting them into other monkeys' bodies. Right. And so head transplants yeah. on monkeys. But his ultimate goal with this or his idea with this is that you could do this with humans eventually. Yeah. Um, he also did this two-headed dog. Like he, and you know, even the way that she describes, uh, Brandy Shillis describes like the notebooks and things like that, it really does. And if you see, like they have a few photos of it, like the notebooks are like blood flecked. Like it really looks like a prop out of a movie. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's interesting that there is a distaste for his research when it ultimately, I mean, the, he apparently almost won the Nobel prize, but he had some very specific ideas about race and and some other stuff that was just not um, necessarily the, like something that people could embrace. Just throwing it is an interesting article. So definitely take take the time to read it when you get a chance. Um, I might actually read this book. It's kind of 
uh, it, I think it would be probably be interesting, even although I don't know if I could stomach the stuff about the dogs, honestly. So, um, anyway. so also in the news, putting aside head transplants uh, for the moment is a, a pretty surprising new announcement announcement of a project um, called Night of the Living Dead 2. And yeah. when you hear that, you think, okay, yeah, we've there have been like a hundred remakes of Night of the Living Dead. Not actually a hundred, but it seems that way. But then when you figure out that the cast is none other than the three actors who were the survivors at the end of Day of the Dead, the the, yeah. uh, the doctor and the two helicopter, pi- the helicopter pilot and, and engineer who ended up on that like deserted island at the mm-hmm. end of the movie. It almost feels like it's a sequel to Day of the Dead. And it does, right. at least, I mean, by having that cast run through consistently, you're like, wow, what, what could this be? Um, so very interesting just from that perspective. But of course, there's a lot of other pieces of this that would need to come together. Yeah, and it's interesting because they filmed this very much sort of in secrecy, maybe because of backlash about doing yet another Romero um remake um i don't know it's um so the person who who wrote and directed this is marcus uh slabine uh and he did dark offerings and um there isn't a release date yet um as far as i know did you see anything about that i don't think that i saw that i i feel like this was mainly a teaser for people to know that this was happening um but um you know, I, I think that I don't know how you like I feel like there's a lot of things that are trading on Romero's name that aren't necessarily ne- like I don't know that it's necessary to do this. Um, mm. So I am. It's interesting that they were able to get these cast members back. And obviously we're going to watch it. But um, I just think it's interesting that this is the way that they're doing that, that they did this in secrecy um, without it's kind of weird to me that they're doing this at all. Um, but well, anyway, they have I'll, a website living dead number com, And on there is a countdown that, that's counting down 111 days as of right now. All right. So um, I'm not sure when 111 days is from now. It's about three and a half months, I guess. So we're looking at maybe Halloween. I don't know. Um, but right, that's, well, yeah, we'll see this. Uh, this well, either that's going to be more information or that's when the movie drops. And if it's Halloween or that time frame is probably when the movie drops and that will be uh, of interest. All right. Well, we'll we'll take a look at it. Um, and the article I was thinking about in The Verge was actually about um, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. And um, this is the, you know, yet another part of that franchise um, and deals with Leon and the White House and, you know, the review, you know, the review is somewhat like, you know, it it looks very much like a video game, which we noted when we saw like the teaser, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's, you know, I don't like, I'm not going to go too far into the review just because it's kind of like your standard Resident Evil review. Um, I don't know why people are surprised that it looks a bit more gamer like and that the, it's sort of like a, like the usual plot line. Um, It seems odd to me, but anyway. Um, so there is there is that. And eventually we will get around to, I guess, revisiting, although I was admittedly kind of done with the Resident Evil franchise. But yeah, maybe, we'll. maybe we'll I'll take a look at a couple of episodes and see if it holds my interest. Basically, they're, they're, they're going to the White House. So they're really yep. up, up in the ante. 
Um, and then other news, which was sad that I think came out last week, it might have come out a week or two ago, was that um, Lovecraft Country is not coming back for a second season on HBO. We never finished recapping the entire season over here on Reanimated just because I think we were we were doing that during a lull and then a whole bunch of content dropped. And then um, we didn't come back to it, which we probably should have instead of going to some really terrible movies around the beginning of 2021. I know, I know, but you know, uh, yeah, but the big, the big news that, that somehow dropped after the news about the cancellation was that they're like, well, you know what? Season two is going to be zombies. Mm. Uh, and as you know, as we know, we had tentacle monsters and witches and wizards and warlocks and stuff like that in the first season. Um, and those giant eye beasts. Uh, it was, it was, I thought it was a fantastic show. It was making a lot of really important um, like observations and, and storytelling that, that really had a lot of uh, resonance post George Floyd and with, uh, with everything going on last summer. So I feel like there is, there's definitely still, there could still be a demand for this. And I hope that somebody other than HBO picks it up to, to move it forward. Well, and I think you and I commented when we were talking about this earlier that we saw like more about sort of some of the teaser about season two, almost after they had announced the news that it was canceled. So it does seem like they might be shopping it out. Um, and it does seem like they had a lot of plans in place for season two that they'd mapped out a very specific um, storyline for it. And, um, it was pretty detailed. It didn't seem like it was just sort of like a shallow, like, oh, we're going to do a season two and mm, maybe we'll come up with some stuff later. Um, so I do, you know, I'm wondering if this may, it may happen that some other network picks it up. So that's possible. So I do hope so, because I, I really do. Um, while we didn't finish sort of recapping the series, um, I, I do think that this was really well done. And I thought that the cast was excellent and it is a storyline that you don't often see and the commentary I thought was significant. So yeah. I would definitely, and I would certainly watch a second season of this. Um, but um, so we'll see. I'm wondering if it, uh, if it, you know, comes, it comes up, um, you know, uh, it comes up with something else. Um, and Misha Green, who is the, you know, obviously the, the person behind the scenes here, um, and you know, she's, she's going to be just fine. She actually, uh, basically has a deal with Apple now to create, um, like a, a, a few different, um, projects with them. So I think that she's going to be fine on that, but I'm wondering maybe, I don't know, could, could Apple pick it up? It's, I, I would be, I would love to see that. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned to that news and maybe we'll have a, a, a good update later. Um, but, um, she, you know, she, she's a very busy person these days. <laughs> so I know she was attached to uh, like uh, Tomb Raider, the new Tomb Raider film, I think, oh. um, and a few other projects. And in addition to whatever she's going to do with Apple. So so I guess uh, so we'll see what's going on. Um, I definitely like the, the things that she writes and creates. So I, I'm curious to see um, all the projects she's got um, in the in the pipeline now. So, um, well, uh, without further ado, I think we should start chatting about Black Summer, too. And um, we did mention that Simon Pegg had watched it and gave a very positive review. And uh, I was not let down by his uh, his enthusiastic support of this season so far. And it, again, I've only watched the first couple of episodes. Um, uh, so. Uh, and you've you've watched beyond that, right, Stuart? No, actually, I had stopped because I was trying to um, 
well, I was watching the the, the end of the Fear of the Walking Dead. I, I think I was watching. I don't remember why, but I, I when I saw it drop, I was like, part of me also wants to like give them good feedback through Netflix by immediately watching it the day that it comes out. But uh, um, okay, I get I'm gonna, that. Yeah. I'm gonna keep teasing it out. I mean, it's still pretty highly uh, highly listed on Netflix's uh, homepage, so I feel like it's still getting a fair amount of views. But I definitely want to make sure that you know they they get that good feedback so that they make more of it. Oh yeah. Um, um, but the first couple episodes, yeah. the cold and prelude are what they are titled. Um, and I, you know, my, my overall review is that it's excellent. Um, it is, uh, you know, in turn and, and by comparison, you know, it was, I know this sounds kind of, like okay because we are talking about zombie films but while fear the walking dead has felt like such a slog um this past season this was like really exciting really well done fast moving they come at storytelling in such different like opposite ways right and this is storytelling there is very little dialogue in this entire thing much like you know we commented on the first season that was kind of the same they have they have stayed the course as far as Uh, their approach goes but it's really showing you what's happening um and it's also very interesting because it's non-linear storytelling so um you know the vignettes you're seeing with the different people um at least in these first two episodes and i don't know if this will i'm guessing it may continue um throughout the season though i can't comment on that yet um but you're basically seeing like different parts of the of the story sometimes um jumping back and forth depending on which characters you're viewing and And this is is different this season from last season because last season it did do the vignettes based on the characters and i think that those were the title cards was it it was the name of the person i think for the most part um and this time there was only one vignette, I think, that was called Anna and Rose. Uh, the other uh, ones no, no, all no. had was, the other ones uh, all had uh, the, like uh, a thing that was happening. Was the no, title. no? There was uh, like Luca and Sophie. That was and the there thing. was Officer Ray Nazri. Yeah, okay. So there were a couple we of other couple. ones, but for the most, I feel like the majority of them were now like um, three point turn, ditched the cold, which was the first one. And yeah. Um, yeah, so they've they've kind of switched up their their method a little bit, but uh, so much of it is still like we're saying based on just the yeah what is happening. They're still leaning really heavily on these tracking shots um, that are just they're gripping. You know, like the first seven minutes of this show in the cold is a is basically. I don't know if it's seven minutes of one shot tracking because there are a few transition points where they could have easily like picked up a new shot, uh, like they get in really close to the yellow rain raincoat. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's basically seven minutes of one continuous point yep. of view, and and those are just oh my gosh, I've always been such a sucker for those. And I, oh, I'm it, a sucker too for it, and yeah. it's and it's really well done. Um, and then. You know, sadly, though, Lance, Lance bites it pretty but quickly. How awesome that I was. I was so obsessed with Kelsey Flower and Lance. And is no. he in the season? And there he was. And I was like, yes, he, he's in it. So he survived the run at the stadium. Yep. Like he made it. And so we I, didn't think and we didn't think he was going to. But he yeah, did yeah. at least into the first. Set. He picked <laughs> himself up a, a bright yellow raincoat. Um, yep. And it was obviously like siphoning gas to put it in a Mercedes. Yep. And then uh, he and then his his uh, better, better nature kicks in to his detriment. Uh, but he still has a pretty good featured spot in this, even after he zombifies. So that's pretty good. Yeah. 
Um, um, he, he definitely had he he uses those running skills that he should Kelsey Flower showed off in season one. He uses them again in this uh, in this episode. I this- know, but it's like <laughs> a lot of bursting through doors, which I thought was phenomenal. Oh, um, and it was very fast moving, but the camera work is done really well. And you know, generally this sort of like POV, like with the you know the shaky cam and whatever can it, like sometimes it's not done well. I feel like it was done very very well here. Um, and not, you know, it does it does have moments where it feels or a lot of moments, I guess, where it feels like a video game um, to some extent uh, where you're following, like, say, a character or whatever. But I felt like it was it was done overall very well. And they kind of kept this um, consistent throughout yeah. these episodes and really just um, just incredibly tight. Um, just the editing is is great. And then. There's some really like, especially with the character of Lance, when they're just sort of like following what's happening to him, there is this really great drone shot where he's like on the top of a car that I don't know. What did you think of that, Stuart? I thought it was just. Yeah, that's a fantastic shot. It's part of the seven minutes series. So I guess the POV does kind of go up into that drone. But then the physical, uh, the practical effect of crashing that car and Lance flying off the front of it or the top of it. How did they do that without killing that stuntman? I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, whatever this thing, this is just, it just looks so good. Um, So I I can't say enough good things about this. And um, if you haven't watched it yet, I definitely recommend getting into it because it is. Yeah. And if you haven't stop listening to us, go watch it and then uh, come along for the ride while we kind of gibber about it for the next uh, 30 minutes or so. Because uh, yeah, that first that first um, sequence it's called the cold, although it's like summer or maybe fall. No, no idea what time of year it is. Um, the woman who uh, pretends to be pregnant and gets into his car, I think, is a character who shows up later on. I think she's the woman who then has the orange coat and joins the gang, and then has and is also uh, featured in the ambush sequence. You know the woman I'm talking about. She has black hair. She has yeah, a isn't pistol. That, isn't that Sophie? Is her name Sophie? I think so. So I, I have, you know, this show, unless there's dialogue where somebody says, hey, John, it's kind of hard sometimes to figure out who people are, unless also in Ray uh, Nazri's sequence, it's all about him and it's got yep. his title card. So I don't know. I, yeah, I, I didn't pick up what her name was. Um, but it, yeah, okay. She's Sophie. She has a through line from participating in carjacking and killing Lance into... Uh, joining that gang and participating in the ambush scene. Yep. Um, so we have her. Um, we've got, you know, and we're seeing like different groups of people. And the thing is, is that this is like a pretty big cast. So you're seeing like these different vignettes and it does move very quickly. So yeah, some of the I, vignettes are short. They're short, but trying to sort of, they are definitely, you know, and each vignette does have like an overlap into the prior vignette, basically, or that's some kind of, kind of yeah, um, or they're, they're all related. By the time you get to the end of the episode, you're like, OK, yeah, this is related. But everything is a little bit out of temp, like chronological order. Yeah. And to me, I, I'm not 100 percent loving that. It's just it, it's more work for the audience. Um, yeah. and, and I tend to not love those kinds of things as long as they don't drag it out. I think if they can if they manage to do this do it this way until we're all caught up and then we go forward from some point. I would be happier with that. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is a little disjointed. It's um, jarring. Yeah. Cause it like we're, jarring, we're watching but, stuff backwards right now. And, and but some... I also think it's kind of deliberate because 
you're learning things about characters that then inform what you know about them when you almost jump back in time to see what's happening. So that's kind of interesting to me. And it's, and it's honestly, to me, it's a, a somewhat inventive storytelling mechanism because you're already developing these ideas about a character. And then you see kind of what led them to that point, but you're looking at them in an earlier time. So I thought, I think that's kind of interesting, but you're right. It's not an easy mental switch so yeah in the in the sequence that comes after the opening one it's just says four months later there's no real title there you got the man in the orange and the yellow construction jacket like running uphill this was a scene that was featured in the trailers uh like in the snow suddenly he's like running away from a zombie he's having a hard time but so is the zombie luckily um gets to the the fence gets through the fence suddenly the zombie is shot he's like oh my god thank you so much then he gets one through the head too yeah and then we find out in the next episode, basically, who did that? And yep. uh, and, and I feel like some of the emotional resonance of that, of finding out who did that shooting uh, is lost a little bit unless you go back and watch it again, in a way. Yep. For and me. maybe, so that's, but yeah. that's like, that might be the intention, though. Maybe. I think they do want you to watch this more than once to basically be, okay, now I'm filled in on all of this. Um, and I think one of the, the takeaways... And one of the you know things about this, they we do see characters that were obviously in the last episode. Sadly, Lance uh, no longer with us, but eventually we do catch up with uh, Rose and Anna and Son. Um, and do we see it, like do we see Spears in this or in the next? No, one? Spears and Spears doesn't show up until the next episode. No, I thought he showed he is in this one, but very briefly. Oh, he's in ditched. Yeah, he just gets up and starts walking towards the mountain. Right. So we see the main people who are going to make an appearance in this, I guess. Yeah, a big it, but, part of this uh, was was the two sequences that would go one after another, but they are actually chronologically offset by about, I don't know, five minutes or less. Uh, the first one is ambushed or ambush, which is right. a really confusing scene. And then prisoners comes right after that. And that's also right. pretty confusing. It's basically the same action shot from two perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also yeah. trying to figure out the relations of the different characters. Who the and, hell's, you know, yeah. well, and that's it, the thing yeah. with both of these episodes. It's sort of like, you know, it, like Sun pops up in ambush and that's the first time we see her in in the series. And it's unclear what her relation is to the people keeping her prisoner. It's unclear, you know, they're trying to sort of, it seems like they're trying to get information out of her and it seems like she might be with the other prisoner. And then later you find out that's not the case. So there's like so much information that they are packing into this. And again, but the thing is, is that I am impressed with it because it ultimately eventually makes sense. Um, Well, we still don't know the relationship of the green jacket guy who was tied to the tree and Rose, which I think well, he's the snowmobile know, guy she references in the second episode. Right. But we do know, like at the end of the second episode, that he like he makes an appearance at the very I end think, of it. So yeah, I think he was a real quick flash on the. Right. Right. So we do know that that eventually will be hopefully explained. Um, but and the he part talks that, about a house where his wife right. is. And but the part that is interesting, like as you're going through this, is that especially with Sun, um, I was assuming that Sun had come from the house and yeah. that sort of. But that is not what happened. Um, right. So that. That's interesting, too. So it's kind of a cool way of telling a story um, and keeps you on your toes because it's like uh, there's a level of stress about it, which is weird because and the level of stress has nothing to do necessarily with the zombies, which is funny. Um, so kudos and hats off to the storytellers and, and to the, film, the yeah. creators of this. I think it's really, really well done. 
in ambush, we also get the first uh, plane flies by and the, the lull in the battle when the plane flies by, it's very evocative of children of men, that scene where they, they, they're in a shootout and there's a baby crying and they all stop shooting and watch the baby leave and then they all start shooting again. Mm -hmm. Same thing here with the plane flying over. They kind of stop and look up at the plane and you see this over and over again because obviously a plane is a big deal. We keep seeing this plane. It's been doing supply drops. There's like some radio right. transmission in the three-point turn vignette. I don't remember which episode that's in. That might be in the second one. But well, they're the talking plane, about the plane, like coordinates and stuff. The plane is a significant cameo character in like Very three much. or four of these, which is that's kind of obviously funny. that's like everybody's looking for the plane, right? I think that's what Nazri's looking for uh, with his tactical. Uh, bad bad dudes, and that's what the um, the gang. I don't know what they're what we're supposed to call them. They're clearly not good guys. Nobody is a good guy. I'm obviously this yep. is a zombie apocalypse, but they like these guys are even less potentially good guys than like the saviors or the Alexandrians. <laughs> like there is very little silver lining to these groups, as far as I can tell. Right. Um, and then the other part of this that I thought, especially the in the cold episode, and then it, Prelude Two. Um, so this was one piece that so we, we do see the zombies running around doing their thing. Um, the cold becomes its own character and all this or its own sort of challenge, because mm -hmm. that is something that the survivors are dealing with. And it is a very like serious level of cold. Um, and I suspect it probably was indeed very cold wherever they were filming this, because I think it was up in Canada, um, probably near Calgary, I think is what I understood. Yeah, it's um, shot in Canada, but if I still get the impression they want us to think maybe it's set in the U.S. because oh, they're no, talking they about do, Philly later. Yeah, no, they do want you to think it's in the U.S., but I just was curious where they filmed it. Um, yeah. But it's in Canada they filmed. Um, but, you know, so this the cold becomes another thing to survive in addition to the to the zombies. And the interesting thing is um, in the second episode, like Spears runs it or like gets kind of like mini avalanche, like he slides down this hill and um, he there are zombies there that are um, kind of frozen and incapacitated because they're so frozen. But then we see others that are running in the cold, which maybe it's that rigor hasn't set in or they haven't been. Maybe if they're lying in the snow long enough, they become incapacitated because we do see others that are running around and maybe yeah. it's if they're newly churned and don't lie down. That's what I'm thinking is maybe they're fresher, but we do need to get some consistency here. Like remember the, right. the storm episode of Walking Dead where we had ice zombies who were climbing out from under the snow to attack the, the right. our friends and there were frozen ones who were ice cubes. And I don't think you can have both. Right. I do think so, that, that, that when you don't have um, warm you don't have blood or heat in your body. These things will freeze solid is my thinking. And then won't move. So I guess they, it's the yeah. mobility piece, but that was the part that I was a little, you know, that did take me, I was, it made me think about it just because there was, especially um, in prelude, we have Rose and Anna and we see how they get to the house Haven. Um, there is a, a zombie just running around and that zombie seems to have some longevity apparently. Cause we see him, um, we've seen him a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, um, he's also but, treed Freddy when Freddy was yeah. out looking for wood. Yep. Um, There's still a, a big chunk just by the end of episode two where we don't know what has really happened inside this house. Um, right. Because by the end of the second episode, we get into the house. By the end of the first episode, it seems like Rose and Anna have killed everybody inside the house except for Freddy. But we right. don't know how they got there except that there was, you know, Anna, Anna or Rose rather is kind of yelling at Freddy a lot telling him that everybody lost it. And you get the impression there was some pretty 
gross stuff going on with um with her daughter maybe well also with her because she says something to freddie like do i still smell nice or something like that so i i assume there's something pretty gross that's happened here um but also um but again that's kind of what i'm talking about is that you know, it's it's very fast moving, but there's yeah. all these little mysteries. And I just think as humans, we like to kind of figure out the puzzle. Sure. And they're doing just an incredible job of like stoking that curiosity, basically, about because you want to know like where where the conflict is between her and Freddie, what happened in the house um, we see. And we see like it's so fast moving and they pack so much information into it, but not in a way that seems um like they're forcing the story, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it feels very natural in what they're doing. Um, it And you're learning, you get these pieces of information that you're kind of putting together at the end. And I'm assuming that there will be more of that um, in the next few episodes. But as I you have said, been enjoying the story. I just, like I said, I, I don't know if this like uh, counter chrono- chronological or like scattered kind of chronology is my preferred way of, of ingesting well, a not, good story. It's work. it's work, as you said, and it's not, like it's mentally an effort you can't this i wouldn't say that this at least these first two episodes you're not going to just be able to like kick back and just you you have to pay attention you know what i mean like like and i definitely think both worth a rewatch and i rewatched sections of them to make sure i got certain pieces and then as i was rewatching them i noticed other details in them so um, the end of the first episode is also just a, it's like not the main story, but it just like closes a loop. It ties off something kind of yep. nicely. It's called Lemons is the name yep, of the vignette. Yep. And it's the the guy who shot Lance, um, which was so dumb. Like he shot him, but didn't shoot him through the brain. He just like shot him through the face or something to the point where he died within a few seconds. But obviously he just reanimated and became their their biggest problem. He also sprayed his blood all over the windshield and caused him to crash the car immediately. It was like all bad. This guy, we we don't sympathize with him. But then from his perspective, he then is trying to like talk his way into a a store and is like, hey, I'm a vet. And the woman inside is not having it. And he's like, you're all animals, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're bad people. I'm this is. This is what you've become. But we all, of course, know that he just carjacked a guy and murdered him. And and now he's like, you know, karma. So, but okay, then he, I will, I will end up for, for a beat when he said he was a vet. I'm like, I was thinking like a veterinarian because he called <laughs> them animals. So I was like, wait, you're all animals. And then I'm, I'm like, oh, vet. wait, wait, different vet. The other kind of, it was just like, uh, I don't know. It was, it was more funny about what I was thinking um, than it is though definitely like a, a story of karma. What happens to this guy, mm-hmm. right? He's a terrible person. He accuses other people of being terrible who are just like, uh, no, I don't trust you because, and a lo- I feel like that's a lot of what this season is probably going to be telling us is that pe- you can't trust people. People are bad. And uh, you know, like, cause we see Rose is clearly not trusting people. She's shooting that guy without, I mean, we find out it's her. She's shooting that guy without even bothering to find out what what's going on with him. She just sees a zombie. She kills the zombie. She sees the guy who the zombie was chasing. She kills him too. Cause she's not yep. taking any chances. Uh, this yeah, and, and, and this I mean, guy, she, yeah, she's also become very, I mean, not, I, I don't like, she has become very like, um, I don't want to say cavalier. Um, she, she is very, she has one, um goal that's to keep her daughter safe and basically everybody else is 
collateral damage if that happens to them. If they can stay and help her, I think she's okay with that. Um, she's fine making some very hard decisions if it slows her down. So we see this with Spears. And she then, killed Velez at the end of the last yep. season, right? Like, and that yeah, was. Yeah, so we saw this. This is sort of a continuation of that. Um, and I do think that it, you know, even with Spears, like he got injured, he was going to slow them down. She and her daughter just immediately start running. And yeah. Sun is the one that kind of just is like, oh, well, I'm and not. That's how Sun gets rolled up. But she also right. pushes him down in, down the hill. He saves him, basically. Yeah. So that's that's the other. Um, that's the other part of it. Um, the, but it's it's kind of interesting to see that progression and, you, you know, and how their storylines diverge because of those decisions. So and and as you said, nobody is really good in this universe, per se. Um, and those the that two do- guys who are I mean, at the beginning of episode two, the two guys, well, not the very beginning, but the second vignette, the two guys looting the store save Anna. They let her in. Because mm-hmm. they're like, where are your parents? She's like, they're dead. They're like, come on in, have some water. You're you're safe now. Uh, you be our lookout. And she betrays them. And so I think we're gonna get a lot of this kind of like, um, yeah, a lot of these moral sort of conundrums, dilemma. Uh, I, yeah, who knows? I just wanted to go back to the the guy, the veterinary, the veterinarian, the veteran who um, he's <laughs> See, like he finds a car. I've now planted that into in Thank in you, you forever. He finds a car, he finds a loaded Glock or something. And he's like, you know, uh, when life hands you lemons and then Lance crashes through the window. And like, that's the ultimate kind of karmic revenge. Uh, Zombie Lance is now, well, we don't know. Maybe the guy gets away, but it's, it definitely doesn't look good for the veterinarian. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Um, Then episode two has a really cool intro with where we meet officer Ray Nasri, mm -hmm. who is now kind of like a monologuing red coated bad guy who talks about like this is how it's gonna go sometimes it goes the other way but sometimes it's like this and i'm like all right easy does it easy does it mustache mm-hmm. um but he's like he's in there he's in his garage packing up his tactical stuff and then um having to confront the fact that his family is all zombies i like the fact that he looks in the mirror before he leaves the house and takes off his wedding ring it's like a real yep. yeah i'm this is i'm not well, that person is- anymore And again, this is, you know, the way they're storytelling with so little dialogue, Mm -hmm. even just as he's going through the house, you you totally understand what happened there. And he's kind of talking the the few like lines that he has. He's talking to his children um, and you you know, you can basically see the aftermath of what has happened to him, um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Just it's like you don't need him to walk you through it. And that's the, the thing I appreciate about this show is that they're basically showing you all the details um, and you're building the story without the dialogue. It's a very, it's just truly, it's really well done. And a lot of attention was paid to that storytelling and the editing and the sets. And it's just really, it's really a fun watch to me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we know this guy is going to be probably an antagonist. At least that's how the trailer for the season set him up um and certainly it's how he is portrayed in ambush or in prisoners and then again later on in this episode where he's rolling up because in the next scene he basically that's where he rolls up um son and you know like this is maybe another little karmic episode where they kick the looters out of the bodega and then they in turn are rolled up by these tactical dudes and that's a great another tracking series of shots through the restaurant um that when Sun and, and Spears are like hiding behind walls and then shifting around and the flashlights are coming. I mean, 
it's it's so much fun to watch this stuff right um and then there's also some like throwbacks to like the prior season and a couple of vignettes from that season so there's that whole thing with sun when she gives the water to the person inside that building and outside is the car with the where the woman went through the windshield and we saw them in the prior season right we did i think so I don't remember them. They were part of a, like another story so that, you know, so they're, they're paying like such close attention to all these little details. And it's kind of fun. It's like all these little like Easter eggs to uncover and to remind yourself. And I, I admit I should have watched the other season prior to watching or rewatched it prior to watching this. And I didn't. And now I'm like, maybe I should go back and watch some of it. Yeah, some um, definitely though is, is like holding on to her humanity, her, you know, lawful good alignment there. She's handing out water. Yeah. Even though she was part of a, um, you know, an armed assault against some other looters. It's just there's clearly like no there's there's bad stuff going on everywhere. And and you see this also in um, when maybe it's Sophie. Did you say Sophia? I think it's Sophia. Yep. Uh, when she rolls up to uh, in three point turn, there's there's like a gang has carjacked this truck. And then there's like scavengers who are hanging out around the edge of the gang. And they keep saying, we're not done yet. Back up. Uh, and then so. Sophie gets into the gang by showing that she has a handgun and then like that's her entry into the gang. So yep. uh, this is obviously this is clearly like a flashback to before the scene of ambush. We mm -hmm. recognize some of these players as the combatants from like the ragtag uh, of the gang. Um, but it's it's very interesting to see just how they are portraying uh, group dynamics, how people are, are getting along. Like one of the scavengers just has a brick in his hand. He's just like, this is this is my zombie survival weapon. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, they they basically it's weird because they're working sort of as a gang, but definitely there's others not really part of that. And they're like the ones who are either armed or part of this. Which is how Sophie gets in into this, get like first dibs and they're basically telling other people to hold back until, you know, they get whatever they want to get out of it. Um, and so that's, you know, that's kind of interesting. Um and, you know, it's um, it's just kind of like the dynamics that you're seeing with the different groups, the one group that we don't I mean, we've seen them now a few times, but um, this is the Ray Nazarene militia group. We don't have as much information about them other than that. They're brutal and they're well organized, although bizarrely easy to take out or easier to take well, out than apparently they should be way um, too easy to sneak up on um yeah. in broad daylight yeah they yeah it seems that, that's like i did have some issues with the ambush because yeah first of all that group of like 20 people sneak up sneak in quotes up on these 12 armed men who are only apparently looking at sun or at the other prisoner and not looking around themselves I at know, all. It's very strange. and then in that combat there's there's scenes of i mean it's tracking so again you're getting like this weird pov but there are people, they're, they're very close together. They're like 10, 15 feet away from one another, these combatants shooting at each other, throwing Molotovs. And women or pe like people are running back and forth along the line of combat, like in a way that just doesn't make sense logically. It's great right. for looking like chaos, but it doesn't make sense. Like why you're like, okay, there's two lines of people kind of loose lines shooting at one another. I'm going to run down the middle of that line <laughs> in, in between the two sides. Um, so I was... I was, I was like a little bit like, all right, I feel like this could have been better choreographed. Right. Um, and and but maybe still, if they'd shot it in, at dusk or at a, a lower light than it what it was, sense. it would yeah. have been, it would have made, made more sense that they could have crept up, but it was, um, 
it, it was still like super chaotic and there was great there was great fight choreography and there was great attention paid to when when combatants were, were killed in the gunfight they turned into zombies immediately and then the combatants had to turn and handle those new zombies right away you know like that was something we hadn't really seen too much of uh, in season one so in, there's also a vignette where we get to get some of the background of the construction jacket guy. And uh, he's out at night. He's like looking for oh, stuff yeah. in a car. He goes back to this ambulance where he's holed up. And there we meet his friend who's going to be a future zombie. Um, and there, and this is a good person. Like he's like, I, you know, of course I'm, I'm taking care of you. You have to stay well. You have terrible frostbite. I'm going to lie badly to you about how it's getting better. Um, he does buckle him into a gurney, which is like a good move. He's trying to tell him a, a joke about nuns and soap, which I really wanted to hear the punchline, but we don't get to. Um, and then, then you kind of like see them start to be, you see the chase begin that ends with Rose shooting them both in the head like the next day. So this dude's been out running all night. It's just so brutal. The show is brutal. It's spare. It's frigid and it's, it's brutal. Um, so yeah. and then by the end of this episode, we've got Spears falling down that hill. There's someone following him. We don't really find out who that is. So that'll that's still to come. Um, and we have Rose and Anna getting into the mansion after taking some pretty poorly advised shots against the zombie. Uh, so Anna's or sorry, Rose is still not 100 percent on that sniper rifle that she's carrying around. But they they get inside, and now there's a, there were like five people inside, and. It was, I couldn't tell if there was maybe somebody we haven't seen yet based on some of the bodies we saw inside the mansion in episode one. But yeah, um, there's um, so much of that story still to tell that I'm kind of excited. To yeah, see and we don't know how many of those people were had left because she basically said that they went out and they, they screwed up. So we don't, we know at least one of them, obviously, but we don't know all of them. And then, um, you know, there's still, there's still more to that story that we need to, to figure out. To figure out um but so clearly there's going to be some stuff more stuff about planes more stuff about officer ray nasri and rose and anna maybe spears will catch up with them sun's still in the mix somewhere but i think lance has probably had his last scene on this show even though i know although although i will say they made it really good and and it was you know man he must have been really tired after filming (laughs) so (laughs) Um, but I'm sad because I did really love his, I just liked his character. I think he was like kind of a weird, fun character. Remember he would like go to the library in the school when they went to the school. He's just like, I'm going to read some books. I'm going to pretend I'm not in a zombie apocalypse. Then he like ends up in a drug den, just like doing heroin or something. He was, he was a total ostrich, but, uh, yeah, he was still a lovable character somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and his running was fun. So yeah, there you go. He had a lot of running. So farewell, farewell to Lance. Um, but hopefully we'll see, we'll see Mr. Flowers and some other, some other things. So, um, but I don't know, I'm really excited to watch the rest of this now. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, if any of our listeners have watched this and have similar, um, enthusiastic reviews or not, um, feel free to reach out to us, send us an email, reanimated, uh, podcast at gmail.com reanimated, P- reanimated on the Twitters, or you can, uh, just leave a message on the show notes, reanimatedpodcast.com. So um, anything else to add, Stuart? No, I think we covered it. I'm looking forward to doing three and four next time we get together. 
And yeah, um, and I may yeah. have to rewatch parts of this after I watch three and four. Just this is the on. thing we're gonna have to. <laughs> it's definitely a rewatch show, so kind of buckle up for that, I guess. Yeah, um, but definitely looking forward it to it. And until next time, thanks for listening, and ciao. Alrighty, bye bye now. Bye.